Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that's my always amazing wife, Liberty. We're a married couple with different hobbies, and we try to bring the other person to our side via the latest news in books and sports. And as you might be able to tell, I have a head cold, so I might sound weird. If I don't sound weird, that'll be the first time in like two or three days. Having listened to the mic check, you don't sound weird, so you should be alright. Good, let's hope it stays that way. Yeah. And we're doing the sports episode today. Which you couldn't sound any excited at all for based on that tone just now. Technically, hockey is over, and we don't know when it's coming back, and so, like, I don't care. We don't know when it's coming back, how it's coming back, what it's going to look like, all the things. Well, I think it's going to be six players on each side facing each other trying to get the puck in the net. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it probably should be the same game, it's just how it's going to be played and where it's going to be played is what I meant. But thank you. Yeah. So as of earlier this week, the Tampa Bay Lightning are now Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. They won game six against the Dallas Stars. I I do believe I called it was going to be Lightning in six. So I said if Dallas is going to win, it's at least going to take six or seven. I didn't realize it was going to take at least six or seven, no matter who won. Yeah. But I did think that Tampa Bay was going to win overall. So I'm not really shocked. Yeah, I think that one appearance by Stamkos for the two minutes like just kind of energized him a little bit. Like, we've got to do it for the skipper. And then he was the first one they gave the cup to whenever He's the captain. He's supposed to get the cup Uh, first. You were barely in it, dude. He was in it all season long to get them there. Okay. I don't know. I think it should have gone to someone who played well during all of the Stanley Cup first. And then maybe he could have handed it off to the captain, but... It is COVID year for a pandemic, so it wouldn't have been the end of the world, but it's a pattern that has happened since the beginning of the Stanley Cup. The captain always touches it first, so sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Sports people are weird. But it was a hard hit, I think, here in Dallas. Like, a lot of people were pretty down in the toilet about it, but I'm like, hey, listen, you got a step closer. Last year, you right? fell short of the Western Conference Maybe Finals. Maybe next year you'll win it. Right. And the crazy thing is they have a lot of cap space still. So it's not like they're you under were, a lot of pressure. You were telling me about it. And I'm like, I don't know where that money is even coming from. They just don't have anyone signed or something. And the crazy thing is the only big areas they have left to sign, because they have most of their defensemen signed, is going to be their young forwards who are all going to get bigger contracts, which might put them in a position of a pickle. Depends, yeah. And Q Dobin is currently an RFA, so they're going to have first bid at you know Hudobin as a contract, and hopefully if they're smart, they'll get it done before free agency ever begins. I think it would be a mistake for them not to re-sign him, but he is probably going to be their biggest cap hit, given how he played in the playoffs. And how he played throughout the year, let's be honest. He was superior to Ben Bishop almost all year long. Yeah. I just, I really don't like his nickname, so I'm like, meh about him. Yeah, well, as a book nerd, I understand. You're, like, I would think that you would like Dobby as a, a character at least a little bit. Like, I like Dobby as a character. I don't like Dobby as a nickname for a, a goalie. goalie. It's yeah. weird. If I give him a sock, does that mean it gets him out of whatever contract he's in? Well, they've given him all the gear, so that probably has something to do. I think the only thing that he legitimately always wears is that little, like, neck brace that he wears around his neck, like the neck guard. Because you don't really see too many NHL players or NHL goalies wearing that anymore. It kind of, like, comes up above the rest of the pads. I was making a reference to, in the books, he got a sock and got freed from the mouthwares. Okay. 
Well, technically, he's already free of his contract, realistically. So, like, RFA Dobby business... Dobby is a free goalie. Yeah, RFAs are very interesting. So, he's going to have to wait for the Stars to make an offer. He doesn't have to accept it, but the opposing teams are either going to have to match it or beat it, which is like, if you want him that badly, you've got to beat us for him. And right. it's understandable. But doesn't... Maybe I don't understand how RFAs work versus unrestricted, because... In my mind, I'm like, why should he have to wait for them to put an offer on him? Because but... he's restricted. If he was an unrestricted free agent, he could field offers from anybody all at once. It doesn't matter how much they are. Basically, they have the first rights to make an offer. Once they make that offer, people but... can outbid them, basically. But how long does a player have to wait for that offer to Oh, once free agency starts, the offer already has to be on the table. Okay, that yeah. was my question. Yeah. Okay, so I do understand it then. Yeah. Okay. But speaking of signings, Jesus, a lot of things have happened this week. I want to talk about first the rumors about Marc-Andre Fleury's future role with the Vegas Golden Knights because they are flying. It's crazy. Everyone wants to talk about, is he going to get traded? Is there going to be a buyout? Is he going to become a backup? What's going to happen based off the fact that Leonard got his shiny new contract with them? Let's this be honest, it's an easy question to answer. He's going to get traded. It's just a matter of to where because they he has a $7 million cap hit for the year and the Vegas Knights are already over cap. So they're going to have to move somebody and they just gave Robin Leonard a huge payday. So it's just like, you know, you're paying, you basically will be paying Flurry more than your starter to be a backup, which right. is just I think you're going to have trouble getting him traded if that's your ultimate goal. The reality is they're going to have to keep some of his contract. Like, nobody's going to take a $7 million contract on Fleury. Like, it's just not going to happen. It'll probably still be a $2 million a year hit for them. And Fleury still has two years remaining on his three-year contract. So, I feel like... Either they're going to keep him and he's going to be a backup or they try to split it 50-50 or find some way to wring their money's worth out of Flurry. But I think Flurry's a very emotional guy and we saw that a lot in Pittsburgh. And I think you're going to have trouble getting him to play well if you're putting him in second. If he's constantly in backup, you're going to have trouble getting him to perform just because he's always on himself about being better. Why aren't you better than this guy? What is happening? It's well known that he's got this history of that sort of like mental block. Both him and his agent, let's be honest. Like his agent, it was absolutely out of hand during the playoffs, posting like memes and things like that of him being stabbed in the back by Peter DeBoer. And it's like, listen, Peter DeBoer didn't make the trade the GM did. Peter DeBoer made the starting decision, That's which is his what job. what they're referencing in yeah. that meme, yeah. yeah. So it's just like, uh, I don't know. I, I think Leonard is the future for that organization as a starting goalie. It's clearly not going to be in Flurry. Flurry is getting older. He, you know... Like you always say in the NHL, by the time you're 30 years old, you better start looking at what your retirement plan is for the NHL because that's just the way it is. Right. And I feel like that's part of the reason I don't necessarily mind these contracts in the NHL because they're not as absurd as other leagues, but it's also enough money that if you're smart about money, you can be okay for the rest of your life once you hit the age limit that your body can't just take the sport anymore. And you got to think like all the money that Flurry's been making off of all these sponsors and things like that over the years. That's that really commercial we're... we like for the yeah, iPhone. Yeah, for the iPhone. And he's done commercials for GoPro before. So like right. he, he, it's not like he's not making millions of dollars somewhere else. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's not like the NFL contracts where, you know, you hear the $200 million, blah, 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 like half of it guaranteed. Like that crap doesn't exist in the NHL. Yeah. So. 
Well, he's got diversified income, which is good for him, but I do think that he needs to find a new home, but I don't know that you're going to get another team to take him, especially at this $7 million a year. I didn't know that was his pay. Well, I know the Blackhawks are desperate for a goalie. I don't think we'll go after Fleury. There's a lot of goalies on the market right now, and that's that's the hard part. It's like I said last week, the market's flooded with goalies. I don't think it's going to be the situation where they have to worry about finding a goalie. It's going to be a goalie's situation to worry about getting picked up somewhere. Yeah. I was kind of, as a Blackhawks fan, hoping that Leonard would come back. But I, as soon as I saw the way they were playing Leonard in the playoffs, I'm like, ah, that that's out the window. Like, they're clearly going to sign Leonard to a long-term contract. It's just a matter of how much it's going to be. He really did shine during the playoffs. And I think also Vegas put him in the position that he wanted to be in. Right. And that was never going to happen while you guys still had Crow in net. It just... He's got an ego. I'm sorry. Crawford well, has an ego. Good news is Corey Crawford still hasn't accepted the $3.5 million one-year uh, contract from the Blackhawks because he still wants to be guaranteed the starting role, which he does not deserve after last year. So I'm Circling kind of, back around to my comment, he's got of, an ego on him. And the bad thing for him is there's, a, again, circling back to what you stated earlier, a lot of goalies flooding the market right now. Right. There's even talks that Peter Morazic for Carolina is going to test the free agency market out and Peter Mrazek was a great goalie last year. So yeah. it's just like, you know, if Carolina had a better team, maybe they would have gone a little bit further. But Peter Mrazek stood on his head in the series that he was in. Right. And as a Blackhawks fan, I wouldn't mind seeing Peter Mrazek in a Blackhawks jersey. My thing is, I don't understand the trade that you did. Because if you're not trying to put Subban in the net, then We're why not. did you pick him up? It was... Why get rid of Leonard for that? I don't understand. In fairness, I... St- Still really can't grasp it. I know that part of the trade with Subban ended up being one of those defensemen that we wanted from the University of Denver, their hockey team. We wanted to keep that pair together, so it, it makes sense long term. Right now, it just kind of looks fuzzy and gray. Like the it's weird. thing is, I think if you're looking at a team, the one key piece is always your netminder. And I get that you have to have good D pairs in front of your netminder or they're going to have to stand on their head every minute of the game. But it still doesn't make sense, that trade. Like, even though it was about keeping those two together or whatever, I think it just doesn't make sense. So the dilemma the Blackhawks have is they have a long list of goalies available to them in their AHL organization who are young, maybe not quite ready, but, like, it's... It's one of those things like if we solidify our defense and we put one of these younger guys that belongs in the NHL, like they're going to end up in the NHL if we don't sign them to a contract soon. And if we sign them to a contract at a smaller amount to give them that opportunity to be a starter and then they shine like everybody expects them to because they've been doing that down at the AHL level now for like two or three years, you know, they could pay off and be one of those major starters. It's one of those situations like calling up Jari or Murray, like in your Penguins organization where it was like they were doing so well down at the AHL, why not give them a chance? Well, if it's about cap hits and stuff like that, then maybe I can understand the trade a little bit better if you pair it with the fact that they're trying to keep the defensive pair together, but I'll just never understand. But (laughs) speaking about the Penguins goalies, Tristan Jari signed a three-year, $10.5 million contract with Pittsburgh Penguins. Otherwise, again, would have been a free agent come the time for that. Currently, we're expecting Murray to be traded, which... You're kind of in the same predicament as Vegas, where you're just really close to cap and you have a lot of players still to sign, so it's just like... Well, it's not only that, but I think Murray just 
didn't shine this past season or playoff qualifiers. And Jari has been the guy that Murray used to be when we still had Flurry in net. Like right. it seems like no matter who's our net front presence, a couple years later you've got the backup who's just shine outshining them. Yeah. So like you're in the predicament where you have two point six three million left worth of cap space. It's not a lot of money. And it have, sounds like a lot of and money. And you have players like Patrick Marlowe, Connor Sheary, Sam Lafferty, Dominic Simone. All players that were key members of your roster this year. I think a few of those could be signed for money in the thousands per year. But I think some of those, you wouldn't get away with that. Well, like and Connor Seary and Patrick Marlowe are going to deem at least a million dollars a year. Like I think Marlowe would do good with an argument of, I came from another organization that I loved and I was settled in. He and then, literally played almost his entire career there. And then I got practically no playing time because this just went to crap. Yeah. That would be a good argument for him to try to get more money out of the pens. But realistically, that's those are the only contracts you have writing right now. Obviously, Matt Murray is an RFA this year, so if you don't trade him soon for like signing rights you're gonna get nothing for him and that just seems stupid it's like a waste well before we signed jari our lovely gm jim rutherford came out and said that it was either going to be murray or jari and the other one was getting traded and the signing of jari means we're probably trading murray at some point this week let's be honest because there's got to be an offer on the table if he was confident enough to sign jari right and then what's probably going to happen is the ahl goalie who's popped in and out over time over the past few years casey to smith is probably going to be jari's backup well considering you just signed him to a two-year contract as well right and he was Flurry's backup for a little while, and then Jari stepped into that position, or Murray stepped into that position, and then he popped up once or twice whenever one of the goalies have gotten sick. So he's played in NHL games before. We've seen him before. We actually saw him live at a game once. Yeah. So it's it's going to depend on how he plays and how everything sort of rolls out from there. I think he's still young enough to have a good set of years in the NHL if we decide to keep him in the backup position. And he's only two years younger than us. So yeah. He's still got some time to be in the NHL. I just think there's a lot of goalies up for grabs and you never know who's going to go where. And I think it's just going to be a lot of speculation until things start falling into place after October 9th. Yeah. The good news is you obviously have that little bit of wiggle room and like losing Matt Murray isn't going to free up any cap space because right now he's not affecting your cap space because he's an RFA. But trading him gets something. You're right. You could get like a draft pick or something out of it possibly or another young player somewhere else. My GM doesn't care about draft picks. Yeah, clearly. Mm -hmm. No first rounds until 2022 now. Well, and on top of that, since he became GM, we've only had two first-round draft picks the entire time he's been our GM. Yeah. But to add to the signings of goalies, Flyers signed Brian Elliott to a one-year extension at $1.5 million. Um, They did that on Saturday, yeah. He's clearly going to be their backup again. Carter Hart was phenomenal for his second straight season. I just don't know why we have to say nice things about the Flyers here in this house. (laughs) Yeah. 
It's not necessary. It's painful, actually. But, but we're talking about sports to people that don't follow sports, so it's only fair that we talk accurately and non-biasedly about that information. Non-biased, whatever. Yeah. But those are the big signings this week. I don't know if you have any other ones, but... Well, I do have that Michael Grabner was placed on waivers by the Arizona Coyotes on Saturday with the intention of buying out his contract, is my understanding. The 33-year-old Ford has one season left on his three-year contract, so it's not like it would be super expensive to buy out his contract. Right. If he clears waivers, he'll be able to sign with any team when free agency starts, so he'll be on the market along with so many other people. Right. Yeah, basically, they they would have him be unrestricted free agent. He it looks like he cleared waivers, so... <laughs> Did he? Okay. Um, he will basically be bought out within the next couple days, and then he'll be free to sign with whoever he wants. Right. Um, understand, though, that the Coyotes have always been kind of the team that people dump contracts on uh, right. to clear cap space, i.e. Blackhawks dumping Marion Hosa's contract on them. He still has one more year that he's technically a player of the Phoenix Coyotes. It just seems like it's never going to end. That you mean time. the Arizona Coyotes? I've, You're showing your age. Yeah, the, the Phoenix Coyotes or Arizona Coyotes. But yeah, they their GM up until he quit this year, uh, right before the playoffs, which was weird. just all get out. Yeah was notorious for taking on contracts to build up that young talent on that organization. And I think that team is still going to be a very good team next year because they, they started to get their act together at the end of the season. And right, no, I think they'll be good. Yeah. I don't know what role this guy was playing on the forwards, what line he was in, but he is 33 years old. So that is at the point where the NHL starts looking at you like, are you too old to be playing here? <laughs> right. This is the kids' table. What are you doing? And the Winnipeg Jets GM, Kevin Chivaldayoff. Yeah, that's, I'm sure that's not it. but It's not. And he came out on Friday and said that Patrick Laine could be traded by the Jets as they're trying to sort of reshift and reshape their whole roster. And Laine only has a year left on his contract, so. What's crazy about that is, like, everybody in Winnipeg, Laine's the future, Laine's the future, he's going to be our guy. Right. And they've played mediocre the last two seasons. Like, they played well at the end of last year. This year they didn't play that great, Winnipeg. A lot of their line members are getting old, like Dustin Bufflin is more than likely going to retire after this year. Like, I, I would love to see him end up in a Blackhawks jersey again just for the good good old days, you know. But at the same time, it's like we really don't need to spend money on old players necessarily. We've done, we've done that pretty well over the last few years. I mean, you still have players who have been there for a long time. Keith and Seabrook, i.e. is the main example. And they still have their egos way up there for no reason because your team needs work. And I think like Kubalik, young guys like that are going to be the future. what propels your team into being as good as the they were in the 2010s yeah seeing kirby doc improve and improve and improve this year and i know he wasn't in the conversation for rookie of the year but he was our first round draft pick and i understand why the guy is a big body center and the dude performed at the beginning of the season it was clearly like you know that rookie rust that some players have when they come into the nhl it's just like i'm not comfortable here this is crazy like this level of intensity is way more than what i'm used to but turning into a little fish in a big pot yeah exactly and he really responded well to that and i don't know that we really need any more old defensemen and bufflin is that but 
I just don't know what they're going to do because they're in a similar-ish situation to you where they need to have a big change in their lineup in order to turn it around. Oh, yeah. Winnipeg definitely needs to hit the refresh button and start over with some new players. But the same situation is going on in Buffalo. Jack Eichel is also being commented on about a possibility of being traded. And, right. and it's kind of crazy to think that like Buffalo, who honestly is starting to finally put pieces around Jack Eichel's like, yeah, we're good. We don't want Jack Eichel anymore. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of information that we don't have that GMs do have. Right. And they also have experience that we don't. So then some trades that we're questioning now could pay off long term. Pay off in the long term. Yeah. And so I don't know. That's just going to depend. I think that's the like one really good player Buffalo has. So it is a big giant question mark. Hey, hey, hey. Dominic Cahoon is there now too. That's true. Yeah. But also in the trade market, we had the Florida Panthers trading Josh Brown to the Senators. Florida receives a fourth round pick in the 2020 draft. The Senators receive signing rights to Josh Brown because he's a restricted free agent this year. So... Hopefully they'll sign it before free agency. Otherwise, it's like, we just traded a draft pick for nothing. Yeah, yeah, that like, would have been a waste. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting week when it comes to, like, signings and buyouts. Like, you're talking about Grabner. Obviously, the biggest buyout news this week was Henrik Lundqvist. Oh, yeah. The 15-year champion for the Rangers. Let's just call it what he is. He literally was the organization they built around him for years and years and years and years. So... I also don't think this is how he wanted to really end all of it. Well, what's really crappy is they did the buyout the day that he was signed 15 years ago to the New York Rangers. Mm. To the day. So it's just like... I mean, there's a part of my brain that's like, oh, that's good. That's, that's like sentimental. nice and tiny. Yeah, but that's... at the same time, it's just like, yeah, you're too old now. It's been 15 years, you know, like, enjoy this memory. I, I don't know. Part of my brain's like, it's all neat and tidy and it's this day this year to the same day and this year and it all works and it's clean what's crazy is he led the rangers to the stanley cup playoffs 11 of those 15 years like the rangers they didn't win championships like stanley cups but they were a dynasty in the playoffs like they they were there for a long time i mean a lot of teams have gone to the playoffs a lot of years not 11 of 15. Like, let's be straightforward with that. Oh, like, dear. Now I have to go look up, like, 15 years of playoff. <laughs> um, obviously, the most well-known is the Canadians in the 80s were probably one of those teams that was always there. Yeah. And then you had, for the longest time in the 90s and early 2000s, the Detroit Red Wings. It was like, the Detroit Red Wings were there for 20-plus years. So, you know, in a row. So, mm. that's... An impressive feat in And now they're in the bottom of the league. <laughs> well, that's what happens after you win so many years into the playoffs. Like, you don't understand. Like, it can't last forever. But speaking of the Canadian, the Montreal Canadiens GM, Mark Bergevin, said that he would be willing to trade their first round pick, which is number 16, in this year's draft for a player who would immediately help them and have time on their contract. The problem is, at that pick... I don't know that the players that people are going to want to go after are still going to be there. I mean, it's still in the first round. Like, you get a lot of good people in draft classes, so I don't know. The Canadians haven't traded a first-round pick, though, since this guy became GM in 2012. So, so odds are it's probably not going to happen. Right. It, it would have to be a really good player, and like I said, he wants someone who's got time on their contract. And they would have to be good enough now to do something for them. It couldn't be someone that they have to, like, foster and right. work on. They don't want a really high-end prospect. They want somebody that's going to fit right in the roster and get going. 
as we have a sniffling break. <laughs> Told you I'm sick. Yeah. But also this week, too, they're not the only ones talking about trading their first-round draft pick. We also had the Ottawa Senators GM going, our number six pick is up for grabs. It's like, listen, you already have two other first-round picks, not counting that one. So, like... They're good with giving away picks. They can give... They can afford to give away a first-round pick because they have three of them. Yeah. And then they have, I believe, two or three second-round picks as well. So, like, they're loaded... So they need to pick picks. up players based off how many picks they picked up from other people. Players, yeah, they traded away. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't as shocked to hear that, but like you know, it's gonna have to be a big name player to get a six pick. Like that's obviously you couldn't get someone who's like they need a couple of years of training before you can stick them on a first line. Like right. no, it needs to be one of your first line guys. Yeah. to get this. Yeah, especially as deep as the NHL draft is this year. So yeah. So I think the weird thing that I'm going to include, despite the fact that I was telling you last night this isn't news, is everyone's expecting that one guy to become the number one overall pick. And the Rangers have come out and said, well, we don't know who we're picking yet. And it's like, of course, no one knows what you're going to do till you actually do it. Like, even if you have a plan in place, things can change. So I don't know. I think this year's draft class is going to be weird. Well, if honestly, if they're smart, because they really don't need more offensive prowess. And the Rangers team was pretty solid. Like, they just didn't perform in the playoffs. Like, throughout the year, they played really well. They didn't really have a drought or anything like that. I would trade to maybe the Senators, give them the first-round pick. Like, the first first-round pick for maybe two of their first-rounder other picks and then just build around those guys. Because they have two goalies that already can be starters in the NHL. They proved that this year a lot of the time Lundqvist was the backup to one of those two guys they had three starting goalies basically and so they don't really need to add defensemen their defensemen were pretty solid this year so like adding a couple offensive pieces that come out of the first round might be all that they really require so it's just like maybe find a team that's willing to trade up and stay somewhere in the top 10 for the draft and you're still going to get a guy that's going to be a producer I don't know any GM who's going to roll with that I don't know. If you could persuade the Senators to do it, I think it would be a wise decision because the Senators need really everything. Let's just call it what it is. The Senators need to add a lot of pieces for them to stay relevant in the NHL. So. I mean, I feel like there's several teams like this who need just a rehaul, yeah. reboot of their whole roster. But at this point, we're just going to be talking about trades and rumors and stuff like that. And it's like my least favorite Part of the season. You mean the most stressful part of the off season? I have literal nightmares about this <laughs> stuff and I don't like it and I don't want it. I'm glad I don't have those. Every off season since I started watching hockey, I've had these, yeah. but there's also discussion right now about what next season's going to look like and who's playing where and possibly restructuring conferences and stuff like that. Yeah. it's It could get really ugly before it gets pretty again. And, like, with how messy it is right now and the fact that this is just information that's getting leaked and it's not actually the league coming out and saying anything, it's like, who even knows if that's going to become a thing, that information that got leaked? Well, the the NHL commissioner did state that they are contemplating a bubble-style system to start the season. Yeah. Which makes sense because they want to start it relatively soon. They don't want to wait, like, four or five months they don't want to spend forever discussing it like major league baseball did right 
And so they're in the pickle basically where they're trying to figure out how a bubble system would work. Obviously, as NHL fans, we would prefer to see it divisionally broken up into four sections. Right. The reality of that is, is Canada has made it very clear that they do not want American players or American teams to cross the border back and forth playing those games. And that completely makes sense. And that completely screws everything up when it comes to that, like, keep it in the division style. Yeah, it. I just think it makes the most sense since... These are the people you see most often during the season, over and over again. And that could be how the season starts. Just get all the divisional play out of the way. Get all of that out of the way. And then maybe at Christmas break or something, come back with a restructure. And maybe you still have those four bubbles, but you don't have the same team in those four bubbles. Yeah. And do something like that. Because I still want to see 82 games, and I probably won't. Well, the commissioner's been pretty clear about that. He, No matter what, they're going to do an 82-game season. He's dead set on that. And the NHL Players Association more or less agrees with him. They just want to see a plan that's healthy for the athletes at this point. And I think that's where the NHL is going to get stuck. Because unlike some leagues that actually finished their seasons in the bubble, they are not doing that. They're, they're going to be playing the whole season in a bubble. And right. you're going to start seeing plans like the MLB where all the team's players stay in a hotel together in their city. So, like, right now in the MLB, when you're in your home area, you are tested more often because you can stay at home, but you're not allowed to leave your house. Like, it's very strict. They're trying to stay on top of everybody going anywhere. So. Well, but like we saw with the NBA a few months ago, you have people who just care about themselves and they're not being considerate and they right. go out and do whatever they want. And if they get caught, then yeah, they're in trouble. But who knows if other players didn't do the exact same thing when they were in that bubble. Right. So that would be my concern with that. And that's where it gets interesting. So the NHL obviously set the standard of strictness when it came to the bubble where everybody was completely controlled. All the food was provided, the living accommodations and all that stuff were forced upon the players. They really didn't have a choice beyond what things were there, I guess. Like that's what you could choose from. I think it would be hard to sustain something like that for 31 teams for 82 games. Right. And I can understand how this is a unique situation, a unique problem, but the longer it takes to get this under control, the longer it's going to bleed into this next off season. And then the more of the same we're going to have next year. Right. But speaking of COVID and plans for hockey, we have the 10th straight week of no positive COVID-19 tests in the bubble at the end of the playoffs. So uh, that's good. And then it's going to be 11 next week because no one's in the bubble anymore. Right. But to end it on kind of Stanley Cup notes a little bit, at least what I have here, Obviously, Victor Hedman won the Conn Smythe Trophy, being the MVP of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I've always been a believer that it shouldn't always be from whoever the winning team is, but it should be whoever the best performance was. And honestly, in my mind, that stood out with players, honestly, from Dallas more so than anything. But again, that I guess that may be me being a little You're- biased. You're going to have trouble getting anyone to agree with you on this note because people could argue, well, if they were a really good player, then their team would have won the Stanley Cup. Right. They wouldn't be on the losing team if they were a series or a playoff MVP. Yeah. And then also Joe Pavelski sets the record for most career playoff goals by an American-born player with 61 total playoff goals. All right. So um, 
adding another mark on the Hall of Famer, or future Hall of Famer, Joe Pavelski, let's call it what it is. Well, um, he's not in the Hall of Fame right now, so... No, eh. but he definitely will be. And honestly, he is aging, but still playing like he's still young. Like, this year was a very good season for Pavelski, especially coming off his previous season with the he's- Sharks, where it was... Like mediocre at best so he's still producing goals and assists and so like i would say maybe another two or three years of solid hopeful playoff appearances he's gonna just keep racking that number up so he's not that old is he he's well he's 36 yeah for the nhl that's old yeah but i think that's pretty much all the nhl news i have for the week i don't know if you have anything else but i'm pretty sure that wraps mine up that was everything we can roll into the nfl where they do not have COVID under control yeah uh, games have been canceled today and games have been delayed for today the first thing i have there is the patriots chief game is postponed after multiple positive COVID tests and the league announced on saturday that sunday's week four game i think you're mixing up stories here what i have here is that the patriots chiefs game has been postponed after multiple COVID positives. One COVID positive test. It was Cam Newton and only Cam Newton. But the rest of the team, there were two players that had false positives. They retested and they came back negative. So Okay, so that's where I got the multiple then. Yep. Cam Newton tested positive. He was the only one that was positive and positive. So no false positives in his situation. What's crazy about it is normally these types of news things are released by like major ESPN writers and like people that are friends of friends of agents and things like that is how they usually get this kind of information ahead of time. The news was broken by a 16 year old from his Twitter account uh, about Cam Newton being positive for COVID-19. Maybe his mom works. I I don't know. It was really, really weird. They talked about it this morning on SportsCenter that the news was broken, not by like Adam Schefter, who's like the big time NFL news announce type guy. He usually breaks all the news. But no, a 16 year old kid from Twitter, first one to post about it and he was right so kudos to the 16 year old getting in on the news world i guess so tell me if this next piece is correct or not i read that if everyone tests negative sunday morning then the patriots could travel to kansas city to play a monday night game yeah so they're going to be playing monday night as long as everyone tests negative so far who's gonna play this morning all of the patriots tests came back negative Um, for the requirement they're still waiting on the chief's information okay yeah but that means for today's 425 430 game it's gonna be the bears yeah playing the colts yeah and so there obviously were some more things that happened with the the covid world that the titans vikings game well sorry the titans game was pushed back till week seven for the steelers i think that's what you're probably what i was thinking referencing Yeah, and there were multiple positive tests that came through on that one, uh, adding up to a total of 20 players and staff that tested positive for COVID-19. It really feels like no one there was washing their hands. Clearly, but it ends up being a total of 11 players and 9 staff members that were positive for COVID-19. You boys need to stop kissing in the locker room. So conveniently, their bye games kind of all line up to where they're able to do what they just did. So it works out, I guess, in the long run of things. Do they even have a team after 11 players test positive? Well, obviously nobody's playing this week. They're taking this week as a bye game for both the Steelers and and the Titans. So, But COVID takes longer than a week. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many people want to play in the NFL, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to. Right. But there, you got to understand with all the universities and things like that, there's plenty of people that are capable of playing. Like for the at one point in time, the Denver Broncos were so injury prone at running back 
that their fifth string running back was part of the practice squad, which pays near nothing. And the guy was hawking cell phones from one of those little kiosks in the middle of the mall when they signed mm-hmm. him to an actual contract. And he had a breakout season. So, like, it, it happens. Cell phones to riches. Yes. Yeah. It's possible. You can do it. Right. But continuing down the COVID front a little bit in the NFL news, Las Vegas Raiders were fined $50,000 for allowing non-credentialed employee to enter their locker room after the win in Saint over the Saints in week two. You know, it's just dumb things happening that should be controlled. Like, unauthorized people shouldn't be in locker rooms when they're not supposed to be. Like, it's just kind of common sense and things. this is the whole reason I thought all leagues should be playing in bubbles because then everything is forced upon you and you can't mess around because eyes are everywhere. And apparently eyes are still everywhere because people are getting fined up the nose. Right. Yeah, I'm hoping teams start to learn from it. The NFL is obviously getting a nice payday from all these COVID-19 fines that they've been dealing out over the last two weeks. You would think hopefully teams start to learn that uh, they're serious about it. Yeah, I don't know. The whole fining teams and the teams have to pay the NFL, but the NFL pays people for stuff seems very incestuous, but I don't know. I don't know how the money works. And this is the last bit of COVID news I have for the NFL. I don't know if you have anything else after this, but... Um, I don't know about COVID, but yeah. Referees Union wants the NFL to take action against John Harbaugh for lowering his mask during a heated argument with referees on the field during the Chiefs game. He felt it was necessity to pull his mask down to shout at the referees when, as you and I know, if you're shouting in a mask... People can still hear you just fine. That sounds like you and I just go out and mass yell at each other all the time, but that's not what happens. No. It's it's just frustrating that, like, as somebody who works in the retail world, I have been yelled at a couple times by people in masks, and they do the same thing. They feel that they need to pull down their mask and yell for literally no reason. Right. So. I can hear you just fine. Right. And on top of that, if he, that means you're infecting a ref and the ref infects the other refs and all the refs are on the, it's a field, it's not a pitch. If they're on the field together with all the players. Sounds like you're ready for soccer news. Makes more sense than football. Yeah. And then they can get all the players sick who can get you sick or someone else in your family sick or someone else in the front office sick. It's just messy and he should be fined. Yeah, and so the Titans are going to be investigated by a third-party company hired by both the NFL and NFL Players Association to figure out who broke the current rules and regulations by the CBA for COVID If everything on the field is filmed, then don't you just have to spend five minutes watching that and go, yep, he pulled down his mask. Yeah. Feels like that's a really easy investigation. I can do it for him. Right. Well, the only other NFL news I have is the Dallas Cowboys offensive tackle Lyle Collins was put on IR just before week one, and now due to his pain levels, he is set to have surgery on Wednesday to address his hip. And this is probably a season-ending surgery, but the decision came when his pain level became intolerable, despite the fact he was trying to play through it. And it's my thing with sports players it's like you're in pain something isn't working the way it's supposed to get it fixed and shut up don't try to play through it because you are not so valuable to the team that you are needed on the field more injured than whatever your replacement would be right so that's just my usual nitpicky thing about players about sports and sports athletes and injuries it's 
dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> also, that could end your entire season. It could end your ability to walk if you just make everything worse over time. It, it really could, truthfully. Yeah. And you would rather play out the rest of the season and never be able to walk again or constantly have hip pain or whatever when you're old. Right. Dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> I didn't really go into injuries this week because I know that uh, that's your opinion on the subject, so... <laughs> it's... I will never let this go, I think. Nope. Because... You won't. You can take a season off, get healed up, get back to 95, 100%, right. and have a career versus I need to play at a diminished capacity and then not be nearly as good of a player and not do as well for the team and possibly have a really bad season and then get healed and fixed and then possibly still never play the way you did. Yeah. That's just my opinion that you will hear over and over because it's a sports podcast. Every week, probably. Let's be honest. Yeah. It'll be like on repeat for you guys, and we're sorry about that maybe a little bit. I'm not, but okay. Um, did you have more injury news? Nope, that was the one. Okay, you're the one that usually collects them, so that's why I ask. I didn't even write any of them down, so. I mean, we still have a problem with the San Francisco team, the... Um... 49ers. Hey. Not the 79ers. That's no, not a team. That's definitely not a team. There's <laughs> there a 76ers. That's in basketball, but that's completely different. That's but on the other side of the country, yeah. too. Also, a completely different sport. I am collecting bits of information and they're trying to mold <laughs> into one thing. By next but, year, guys, she'll be on top of it. <laughs> right. The 49ers are still having issues with injuries, and it looks like they're trying to investigate if it's like because of their own field and like crap about that so there's a lot of teams right now that are complaining about the all grass fields because the grass has a tendency to give away more than turf does but that also helps when you're falling on it yeah and you don't get like actual like road rash when you get tackled to it like you do with turf so i was in marching band by the way yeah so we would have to go on to grass fields or what would eventually become mud fields or turf or whatever. So like, I know that there is definitely a quality difference in all these things. And marching on turf was always very different than marching on grass. And like you enjoyed it at first, but if you were practicing a lot over time, you would hate it. Yeah. So I feel like it's kind of the same thing. Well, so like in Chicago, they do something where, and my grandmother used to always tell me this because she's a longtime Bears fan, or I was a longtime Bears fan. Right. And so it, at Soldier Field, they, they grow grass as a layer with a very thin layer of dirt on top of basically rubber tires, like old rubber, recycled rubber. That's weird. So that the grass doesn't give. So you still have that turf effect, but the softness of the grass to fall onto, which is good until wintertime when it gets really, really cold and the rubber gets hard. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then it's just the same as playing on turf all over again. So like, I understand both sides of that argument, but at the same time, you know. I think they want something to blame all their injuries on and it might have to do with it or it might not. It could also have to do with that they had a shortened preparation time for the season because like... That's a thing people have said so far in the season, yeah. Yeah, but NFL news that I have a little bit further. The Baltimore Ravens signed cornerback Marlon Humphrey to a five-year extension. You know, you're, you're talking about the crazy dollar amounts that are in the NFL. Right. The contract is valued at $98.75 million. With a guaranteed money of $90 million. Of $66 million. I was not that far off. Yeah. 
<laughs> Which is crazy because it's like you expect him to play five years, but if he plays one year, he gets sixty-six million dollars. That is like sixty percent of his contract. Right. That's ridiculous. It's insane. Obviously, he would have to continue to play if he's not injured you can't just back out of your contract and get paid the guarantee but But like if he had career-ending injury he'd get paid the 66 million dollars and be like see you guys later you're set yeah Yeah. and then weird news kind of somehow ties into the nfl because it's football dwayne the rock johnson announces after his purchase of the xfl the xfl will return in spring of 2022 so during the offseason of the nfl we will have football again XFL is that indoor football? It used to be way back when when uh, the WWE owned it, uh, McMahon. Now it's not indoor football. No, it was outdoor football. They played for well, they were playing during the COVID crisis, and then COVID hit, and they were like, "Well, we can't play anymore with fans," and that was the only way they were making money. So they just shut down. And Dwayne Johnson came in and was like, "I am the owner now." You know, so he owns the entire XFL now. The whole league? Yeah. Wouldn't that be expensive? Though I know nothing about it. So he's maybe Dwayne it's not. The Rock Johnson. <laughs> like, you know how much money he's made, let alone in movies and like the few appearances he's made in the wrestling world recently. They pay him just ridiculous sum of money to even I do. I always forget that's where stuff. he got started. It's not where he got started. He got started playing in the NFL as an athlete, and then he. I know did nothing that. about Dwayne The Rock Johnson. We're learning very quickly. <laughs> yeah. We have the same last name, and I know nothing about him. Yeah. But yeah, he he's bringing the XFL back in 2022, is what he's estimating right now. He's just trying to get the ownership together for the individual teams and all that stuff, which I don't so think he'll have trouble doing. It's a football league, and they're just not as popular as the NFL. So when they were the Arena League, they actually did pretty well. Um, when they came back last season because of COVID, it kind of cut everything short for them. So they had actually pretty good viewership, not as much as the NFL, obviously, but like what do you expect? The NFL teams have existed for over 100 years, some of them. So it's just like you can't expect you to just step into that caliber of fan following. But it's just another football league. Correct. Like there's nothing like really. They're not, they're not tied together by any means. But there's nothing like really different about it? The There are some differences. Like the rules are a little bit more relaxed about hits and things like that. So like. It's um, a more aggressive football league? It's the way the NFL used to be. Football league, we'll call it what it is like oh, okay. that realistically before like. The over-the-top safety measures came in, so... Okay. Did you have any more NFL news? Because I think I have one last piece of news to talk about. And it would be talking about the Mahomey, Patrick Mahomes. Okay. He became the fastest quarterback to reach 10,000 passing yards this past week. I would hope so if you're getting paid like that. Yeah, right? Uh, He's a part owner of the Kansas City Royals now, too. So, like, talk about diversifying that money you got paid. He reached the number... And two games less than the previous record holder, Kurt Warner. So he got in there just by a smidge. But realistically, he's got two more games where he's averaging over 400 yards a game worth of offense. So he'll be well past Kurt Warner Yeah. when it comes time. So but that's all the NFL news I have this week. Well, for the Major League Baseball, all I wrote down was the playoff picture. Because it seemed like most of the news is just writers going well this could happen and this could happen and what to look out for when this happens so it seemed really dumb there's a little bit of news outside of that but yeah so right now we're in the second round of the playoffs for major league baseball and now upcoming will be tampa bay rays playing the new york yankees the houston astros are going to play the oakland athletics or the oakland a's 
the LA Dodgers are going to be playing the San Diego Padres, which I feel like that's a really common competition. I, I feel like that would happen a lot. It does because they're both in the West. Right. And the Miami Marlins are going to play the Atlanta Braves. Also a pretty common series because they're both in the East and the National League. So Right. But yeah. that's all I had. But you said there's other things? Yeah. I, I really don't like the way that the National League broke down. I, I'm a firm believer that the East and Western con- or Conference, Jesus, the East and West divisions, because clearly the Central are out of everything now. They, they're just, they're non-existent. There's nobody there in the Central except for the, oh, not even the Astros. Astros are technically in the West. So the whole Central division was just obliterated this year, both in the American League and National League. Obviously, the Cubs and the White Sox were pretty much the only hope, and both of them were eliminated. Yeah. Um, One right after the other. Yep. So I would have loved to have seen, I think, honestly, a Braves-Padres-Dodgers-Marlins series. I feel like that would have been a little more entertaining. And based on seeding, that would have worked out the way it would have if they wouldn't have done it by a, a solid bracket system, which is what the MLB did. But last week, we kind of foreshadowed at the fact that the MLB was trying to have fans for the games. Um, the MLB and MLB Players Association has agreed in the National League Championship Series and the World Series here that are going to be hosted in Arlington in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that they're going to sell 11,500 total tickets. 980 of them are going to be the like box seats. So like you can properly social distance. You can bring so many people into those box rooms and that's it and then the other roughly 10,000 plus tickets will be sold in groups of four so if you're buying tickets you're not going to be able to buy them in groups of two so if you're legitimately looking to go to any of these games find two other people if it's just two people because otherwise they're not going to sell you tickets I don't know what they're going to do to control third-party sites because you know there's going to be all sorts of bots buying up these tickets in groups of four if they're going to force the third-party sites like Ticketmaster to resell or um, StubHub, really any of those ticket agencies to sell those back in groups of four because I feel like that should be the requirement. Like the whole reason they're doing that is to keep people social distance from other people that they don't know. So tickets will be on sale starting October 6th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So 10 a.m. Central Standard Time uh, here in the Dallas area and 8 a.m. Pacific time for the West Coast games. But they're obviously going to be sold in those groups of four. So like I I think it's a good way of doing it if they're going to have to do it. I don't like the idea of fans being there quite yet. I know you don't like that. No, no, no. But at the same time, I think it is important. Like a lot of players on Twitter are complaining about the fact that not having fans there, like you don't have the extra level of drive. Like you don't feel like it's the playoffs. And like, I can kind of understand that to an extent. You're being paid a lot of money. There's your incentive. Go do your effing job. Yeah. And then I had some weird news out of the MLB. Well, I guess negative news first. Matt Klintak uh, steps down as the Phillies GM. He had a rough five years as the GM of the Phillies. He brought it's because in because he's in Philadelphia. He brought in a lot of good talent to the organization. It just seemed like the club never clicked. Like sometimes when you bring good talent in from different places all over the United States and different organizations, they don't mesh, and that's literally what's happening in Philadelphia. And it's like they they've spent a lot of money and so like after five years of having built that roster it's like what did you expect to keep your job like right they they didn't make the playoffs once with the amount of player quality they have i think it's always rough that they put it on their 
shoulders and not like why aren't you clicking with the other guy on your line or whatever on the your team yeah. is yes yeah and then the weird news of the week um we weird can, news weird news it wasn't news, well it's kind of weird, weird and news. sad at, at the same time so well, i don't want it then if it's gonna be sad um ex-mlb pitcher charles hager uh is wanted on suspicion of oh, yeah. murder and aggravated assault he's being brought up on charges related to the shooting death of his ex-girlfriend he basically broke into his ex-girlfriend's house with a firearm and his ex-girlfriend and her friend was there her friend managed to escape to go call 911 and like basically go hey this lunatic is in our house with a gun the friend heard gunshots and realized that the police weren't clearly going to get there in time Charles- i assume she ran at that point i would well, she ran to a neighbor's house to call 911, so right. she was in another home at that point in time. But he was found late well, late yesterday afternoon with a self-inflicted gunshot wound in Grand Canyon National Park. He basically had hiked out to the middle of nowhere in the Grand Canyon National Park and killed himself. Yikes. Um, so he wasn't going to be taken in for that. There's a, the sad arguments that come with these types of things where mental health is brought up and and it's like clearly there was maybe something wrong with him but that's not 100% to blame like was he white 100% because that's why it's arguing mental health and not other things and that's part of my extreme anger with people making that argument is because he's white that's why you're making that argument if he was a person of color you would have a completely different perspective on it And then on top of that, why is every argument about gun control always going to lead into a mental health argument? People with mental health problems are more likely to be victims of violence than to actually have any sort of violent tendency like shooting their ex-girlfriend. So I, I have a lot of anger about this whole idea. Yeah, it's... It's just crummy. Like, I feel bad for the family of the ex-girlfriend, clearly. Right. Like, that's that's crappy. Like, you thought she had escaped clearly what was some kind of abusive relationship. Like, you have to think. Or even if he didn't turn violent until after they broke up, you thought she got out of a what was probably a bad relationship. Right. And then he does that. And a messed up thought that I had that I will say here, and we can edit out if you want, is... So he decides that he's going to have this nice scenic place to end his life. And the last thing he sees is something beautiful. And the last thing she got to see was his ugly face being violent towards her. I don't know that that's probably the thought process that went through his head. I think he was just trying to get away from people as a whole. I'm not saying he was thinking that. I'm saying that's really unfair. Yeah, I can agree with that. But that's all the MLB news I have this week. Great way to end it on a cheery note for the MLB, huh? Yeah, I just... I don't know if it's something to do with sports, but anytime something like this comes out, I just get really angry. And it might just be I get really angry anyway, but it's like you're a sports player and you're sort of in this limelight and especially little kids are going to look up to you and this is how you're spending your life and it's a real problem. And maybe it's because these sports are very boys clubbish and you know they have all this power or whatever but these men being violent is very upsetting i can definitely agree with that sentiment but moving on to another league the national basketball association that would be the one they are also currently in the playoffs they've got 
maybe at most five games left, but it doesn't look like it's going to be that many. Yeah, it's not looking good for the Heat right now, to say the least. The LA Lakers are beating the Miami Heat 2-0 to in the series, and it looks like the Heat are going to be playing without a couple players. Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic in Game 3. Both were injured in Game 1. They didn't play in Game 2, and they're probably not playing in Game 3. Right. Yeah, there, there's rumors that Bam will be back, but I, it's just like, it's the playoffs. There's always going to be rumors that somebody's going to come back. They might healthy. come back and play two minutes and 47 seconds. <laughs> this isn't the Steven Stamkos effect. <laughs> um, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's been an ugly one for the Heat, obviously. The Lakers won drastically in the first game, 116-98. to And in the second game, they won 124-114. to they overcame a 16-point deficit in that game to come back and win that game. So it was just like, you guys got your business handled at the end of the game. Like, the Heat didn't even belong on the court almost. Like, right. it was rough. Game 3 is tonight at 6.30 uh, Central Standard Time. So we'll see. Maybe the Heat turned around. They haven't been down in a series this entire playoff. So it's... They it's haven't un- had to deal with it yet. They haven't had to deal with this kind of pressure. They've, they've either been beating teams in 4 or in 5. So it's just like, it's uncharted territory for them clearly right and then the only other thing i have for the nba is the philadelphia 76ers there you go now you got your numbers right announced on saturday that doc rivers has been named their head coach he became eligible on the coaching market earlier this week and he's taking over from brett brown who was fired after the team was swept by the boston celtics who in turn lost in five to the heat as did well. they lose their coach? Yes, they actually did. They fired so, him as well. It's a giant circle. Yeah. Yeah. So what was weird about the Doc Rivers situation was it was a mutually agreed upon separation between the two teams, him and the Clippers. Okay. Um, the Clippers didn't play poorly by any means in the playoffs. So it was just kind of unexpected because Doc Rivers literally has only been there two seasons. So it's just like. I don't know. They might have underlying stuff there. Yeah. And what's even crazier is, for almost two weeks, Mike D'Antonio was the leading role guy possibly getting that head coaching job in the 76ers. And then the 76ers literally saw that Doc Rivers was released, and in less than three days were like, yeah, he's our new coach. Right. And, yeah. that, like, I couldn't imagine being Mike D'Antonio, who is, like, just, like, You couldn't have waited like, another week? I'm... I'm I literally have brought Houston out of nothingness and all week, like for two straight weeks, he was the guy. They, in every rumor mill that I heard, it's going to be Mike D'Antoni and it's it. Like that's the dude. And so like a three day window, Doc Rivers is like, got your job. Sorry. Like he's probably wishing that he had stayed on for at least another week when he could have been signed up already. Right. But it is a five-year contract signed with the 76ers. But at the same time, he was under a contract just the same length in L.A. And he was there for two years. So it seems like coaching contracts don't really mean anything in the NBA. They just Well, to be honest, neither do player contracts. We yeah. were just talking about it with the NHL. And then I only have really one more piece of news. And this is, like, good sad news instead of, like, bad sad news. Like the past one for the NBA. I'm never happy to be sad, but go ahead. Um, so Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks here in, in, uh, Dallas, Dallas, go figure, is trying to help out an ex-player of his, Delonte West. So Delonte West was never really a superstar by any means in the NBA. He was a starting guy off the bench, more or less, when it came to the NBA, but he has always battled bipolar disorder and 
again, like alcohol and drug addiction have been a regular thing in his life from young age to current. And he's basically been battling this drug addiction and bipolar disorder by himself. And to the point where he's blown through all of his money, he's homeless now, lives literally next to a gas station in downtown Dallas. I can't wait to get to the happy part. Yeah. So Mark Cuban heard about this. Like nobody knew that any of this was happening to him. Like he just kind of dropped off the grid. Right. uh, Which can happen when you become homeless. And Mark Cuban heard about it and figured out what gas station he was at that he hangs around and all that. And he went and picked him up and goes, man, like I really want to help you get back up on your feet. So he's paying for him to go to a drug rehabilitation center in Florida, uh, one of the best in the United States, out of his own pocket. And he wants to try to develop him into part of the organization for player development. And it's just like, you know, I, I always knew Mark Cuban was a good guy. Like, on the Shark Tank, he comes across a little bit of a jerk, like, that's a bad idea, or like, why would I invest in that type crap? Right. But like, he's always had a heart. Like, he, once you're part of the family, you're part of the family, you mm-hmm. know? He was one of the first owners to come out and say that he was going to continue to pay his staff at the arena for the games that they would normally have worked, you know, part-time and full-time. And he wasn't going to cut their benefits and he wasn't going to do this and he wasn't going to do that. And he opened up a charity food bank for his staff members so that they can have food in their house. And like, he's just a good guy all around and clearly he's continuing to show it. Yeah. So, so, you know, hopefully Delonte West takes this offer seriously. He's obviously already transitioned into the drug rehabilitation center in Florida. But as someone who has a family member with bipolar disorder, even if he gets past the addiction, he's still going to struggle. And I think that's something people have to realize because with bipolar people, they think I feel better. I can go off my meds and then they're off their meds and everything goes to hell again. So he's going to need a stable influence in his life to make sure he's staying on his medications and staying sober. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the person who takes that first step with him. But if he doesn't have someone, it's going to be this vicious cycle as we have seen in personal life. And it sounds like Mark Cuban is willing to give him that opportunity though and kind of keep up with him this time instead of letting him get away. So... At the same time, I'm excited to see Mark Cuban continuing to do good things in the community, whether it be by his players or his staff or any of his employees, players, whatever it is. Like, he's doing well by them, so. Yeah, that's always nice. That's all the NBA news I have. I have a little bit of Premier League news, and then I'm just going to kind of go through the top 10 standings again uh, really quickly in the Bundesliga and the Premier League so everybody kind of knows what's changing. Because there have been some moves this week. You're starting to see some regularity back in the top groups again. Hmm. It's like someone said that at some point. Last week on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was me. Yeah. In the Premier League, Manchester United signed uh, striker Edinson Cavani to a two-year contract. He scored 200 team goals in the seven years with PSG, making him the highest score for PSG in this yeah. period of time. And then COVID is not free from the Premier League. Go figure. Boltiago Alcantara, who was recently traded from Bayern Munich to Liverpool, and Liverpool star Sadio Mane. They both tested positive for COVID-19 this week. I don't think they're related in cases, but the Premier League isn't forcing players to stay in the bubble, so they're probably just out doing normal people things and coming down with COVID-19. So both those players will be quarantined for at least 14 days per the Premier League standards. Right. So Wear a mask. 
Yep. I'm not going to talk about other people who've come down with COVID. Just wear your mask. Right. As well, too, not only the NBA is in the finals games right now, the WNBA is currently in their finals. Correct. Uh, that's going to be between the Seattle Storm and the Las Vegas Aces, uh, which is a team I could see you getting behind just because. Very nice name. Yep. Um, also fitting as opposed to Golden Knights. <laughs> yeah, you literally recommended that, and I was like, listen, there's already an Aces team in Las Vegas. It's not Different leagues, it could have worked. Yeah. Right now, the Storm lead at 1-0. to zero. The second game, I believe, is going to be this... Oh, that's not right. Game 2, sorry, uh, is today at 2 p.m. So they will be determining whether it's a draw still 1-1 or if the Seattle Storm are going to start to take that advantage to their side even stronger. And in the Bundesliga, we have some familiar teams getting back up into the top group. Uh, Red Bull Leipzig has taken the number one slot in the league, which... They were, I think, like eighth last week, so it's good to see them doing something. It's not good to see them doing something because obviously my team's not up there yet, but we are also a game behind everybody in hand because we play today. Uh, well, we play in 15 minutes to be exact. Yeah. And you have uh, Frankfurt in second. And Who do we have in third? Dortmund is back mm. into third place. Again, game in hand right now for my team today, so if we I'm win, we'll scoot saying. right back up. I'm just saying. You have Augsburg in fourth. They also have not played their third game yet. Uh, Hoffenheim in fifth. Werder Bremen in sixth. VfB Stuttgart in seventh. Union Berlin in eighth. Arminia, the new team to the Bundesliga this year, in ninth. That's pretty good for them. And Mönchengladbach in tenth currently. And where is Bayern Munich? Currently sitting in 12th, but again, game in hand. So right. we roughly have the same record that you guys had coming into the game you won yesterday. So, so there's a chance that we will be up there in the top three if we win today. Just depends on how today shakes out. Yep. What about the Premier League table? The Premier League table, we have Everton sitting on top right now, 4-0. Four and wins. Uh, yeah, crazy. Um, definitely not what I expected out of Everton to start, but... Don't worry, they'll probably fall back into their usual habits. Uh, you have Leicester City in second with three wins, Liverpool in third with three wins. So Liverpool is pretty much falling up where they left off last year. So far, they're doing pretty well. They just right. haven't played their fourth game yet. You have Chelsea with two wins, one draw, and one loss in fourth. You have Leeds United in fifth. And after the victory yesterday for Newcastle, we are in sixth place. That's a hey. shock. Talk about teams who don't belong in the top of the table. Two wins, a loss, and a draw, just like Chelsea. So, uh, you know, doing big things. Aston Villa in seventh. They've only played two games, which is kind of weird. So, like, they're well behind the pace. Yeah, their wins are outweighing other teams. Right. Arsenal uh, in eighth, and Crystal Palace in ninth, and then Tottenham in tenth. And if we're speaking about teams in 13th place, Manchester United in 13th place. I knew you were going to do that to me. It's just convenient that they're both in 13th place. Well, yours was 12th. For Munich, yeah, you were 12th. Yeah, 12th. So 12th and 13th, roughly. No, exactly, 12th and 13th. Yep. And so it's it's still a little weird in the Premier League. It's straightening itself out a little bit. Obviously, you have Leicester City and Liverpool and Chelsea in the top group. Um, Everton is weird. Yeah. And then as well, too, like Manchester City down in 11th is kind of weird, too. Like they've always we been don't mind. a top-tier team. They could go lower. <laughs> The teams that are in the bottom are kind of who you expect to be there. You have Fulham, Burnley, and Sheffield United. They have all lost all three of their games, so no points. Therefore, bottom of the table. Yeah. And then this week we had the Champions League draw, 
and we'll just cover the groups really quick. Obviously, there have been no games played or anything like that. It's just the draw has occurred. In Group A, we have Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich, Lokomotiv Moscow. Uh, Do they take the train to all their games? I don't know. They Their emblem does have a train in it, so um, maybe? And then you have Red Bull. Trying to see which Red Bull team. Uh, Salzburg. Uh, because Red Bull owns multiple teams, which is crazy to believe. In Group B, you have Mönchengladbach, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, and Shakhtar Donetsk. In Group C, you have Manchester City, Olympiacos, Marseille, and Porto. In Group D, you have Ajax, Atalanta, Liverpool, and God Almighty, I'm going to butcher this one because I think they're like a Swiss League, or not Swiss League, but like a Nordic League of some sort. Midgitland. Yeah, that's probably awful. Um, they're the fourth team in that group. In Group E, you have Chelsea and Krasnodar, Rene, and Sevilla in Group E. In Group F, Dortmund, Club Bruges, Lazio, and Zenit FC. Group G, you have Barcelona, Dynamo Kiev, Ferin Varo, that's probably wrong, and Juventus in Group G. And then Group H is, honestly, I think the group of death, it's really kind of deep. You have Istanbul, you have Manchester United, PSG, and Red Bull Leipzig. That's going to be a tough group to come out of. I definitely would not want to be in that group. No. On Bayern Munich's side, Lokomotiv has always had a very fast counterattack. So that's where I'm concerned there, which is ironic because they're the train team. And obviously Atletico Madrid can never be slept on either, necessarily. You can't ignore them. They always field a decent team. So the group stages are set to kick off on 10-20. The first game being between Zenit and Club Bruges and then Dynamo Kiev and Juventus. Champions League soccer is just right around the corner, so I'm pretty excited about that. Right. And then speaking this week as well, we had the DFL Super Cup. Bayern Munich defeated Dortmund this past week. Uh, so the first win column in that series of competition goes to Bayern Munich. Sorry. It's the fifth piece of hardware that Bayern Munich has claimed this season. So You don't sound very sorry. I'm not very happy, actually. But I think that's about all the sports news I have. I don't know if you have any MLS news because you're like the queen of the MLS. No, it's mostly been about teams upsetting other teams, so... Yep. Well, didn't that, feel very necessary to talk about. In that case, guys, we uh, appreciate you giving us a listen today. Make sure you check out all the social media, which should be linked in the show notes. And we'll catch you later on in the week for the book podcast. Finally. Your favorite. Bye, guys. Bye.